Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Paul Sebus first shared on the podcast in November of 2014. Here's Paul now with a story we call My Lifeline. Hey, guys. Um, I was born with a genetic condition called Alport syndrome. Uh, Alport's is a very complicated thing. It's very difficult to explain, but the gist of it is basically just that uh, whereas most people are born with two functioning kidneys, I was born with two balls of garbage. (laughs) That's what I had. And they just started out bad and got worse from there. I was diagnosed with this condition when I was very young. I was about five years old. The doctors found it and they said, you know what, there is not anything really that can be done about this. We just have to monitor your kidney function over time. Eventually it will decrease to the point where you have to go on dialysis and then you have to have a transplant. And that is a lot to lay on a five-year-old. And I think it probably helped that I had no idea what any of those words meant. (laughs) I just knew that transplant sounded a lot like transformers, so I was completely (laughs) cool with that. That sounded great. Oddly, it really didn't affect my childhood that much. I was a normal, healthy kid. I didn't have to live in a bubble or anything. I wasn't like the weird, sick kid. Just once a year, I would go into the hospital. Uh, I'd pee in a cup, they'd draw some blood, they'd give me a Snoopy Band-Aid, and they'd look at some tests and go, eh, your kidneys are okay, not great, come back next year. And that's all it was, really, for most of my life, up until my early 20s. When I was about 21, went into the hospital, peed in a cup, got some blood drawn. Turns out after a certain age, they're very stingy with the Snoopy Uh, (laughs) Band-Aids. Doesn't hurt to ask. Uh, But that year, instead of like, "Mm, not great, but okay, see you next year, what I got was, we need to talk. Obviously never a good thing in any situation. Yeah, the doctor said, well, this is it. This is, this is the day uh, your kidney function has decreased to the point where we need to put you on dialysis, and 
we need to get you a kidney transplant. If you need a kidney transplant, there are a couple of ways uh, that you can go about doing that. One, the best way is what's called a live donor. And that's what it sounds like. If you have a family member, ideally, somebody who's a close genetic match to you, they can give you one of their kidneys. Most people have two, you only need one. It's a pretty good system, actually. The problem is, as I said, the reason I had to have a transplant in the first place is because of a genetic condition. So replacing one of my garbage kidneys with one of my family's slightly less garbage kidneys is not going to help anything at all. So that left me with a couple of, just a couple of options. One, black market. <laughs> couple things about the black market. Uh, first of all, it's illegal, apparently. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, second of all, very hard to find. Um, it is not like a farmer's market. They, like they don't put up flyers in the, the fair trade coffee shop, you know, like second Sunday of the month in the park by the carousel. It's a lot trickier than that. So what that left me with was the last option, and this is what most people end up doing, and that's called a cadaveric donor. Cadaveric, as in cadaver, as in a dead person. And that's what happens if you don't have a live donor. You go on a list with all the people in your area of the country who need a kidney transplant, and you wait. And what you are waiting for is you are waiting for somebody to die. And that is a very weird thing to think about. That somewhere out there, probably not too far away, there is a perfectly normal, healthy stranger, and someday something terrible is going to happen to them. And that will be the best thing that ever happened to you. If anybody here is an organ donor, like if you check that box and you have that sticker on your license, uh, first of all, thank you so much for doing that. I, I really wish more people would. But second of all, you should know that if you leave here tonight and you are hit by a bus crossing Sunset, somebody will get a phone call about that that will make them happier than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> and that's what the transplant waiting list is. You are waiting for somebody to have the worst day of their life so that you can have the best day of yours. And it's very bizarre, which is why all of the language of the process is sort of designed to distract you from that fact. It's all very neutral and very sterile. Obviously, they don't say, well, we're waiting on some people to die so you can get your kidney. It's you're just on the list. Hey, you're on the list. You're moving up the list. You're right near the top of the list. You know, nobody says, good news. All we need is one rainstorm. Somebody will eat it on a motorcycle <laughs> and you'll be home free. That's all the subtext. You know, there's just a lot of talk about your kidney. When you get your kidney, everything's gonna be great. Once you get your kidney, it's gonna be fine. Obviously, ignoring the fact that at that moment, your kidney is out there somewhere, <laughs> you know, being used by somebody else to live, which is weird. And the thing is, though, after a little bit of time on the list, this sort of sterile language, it helps. It does sort of make you forget this idea that maybe it's a little bit creepy, that I'm waiting for somebody to die. 
What's more though, I found after a few years of being on the list, I stopped giving a shit if it was creepy or not. As far as I was concerned, motherfuckers were not dying fast enough. <laughs> and part of this was because, as I alluded to, the whole time I was waiting for a transplant, I was on dialysis. And dialysis is an incredibly technical, complicated process. I, I don't have nearly enough time to get into exactly how it works, but basically what it is, is I had a machine that I would have to plug myself into every night, and it would do the job that my kidneys would have done if they weren't garbage. And this machine is a miracle of modern medicine and technology. It is absolutely unbelievable. I have an uncle who I never met, who died in the early 60s from my same condition, who would have lived if he had had this machine. This was literally the only thing keeping me alive. And I say that just so that I can then emphasize that being on dialysis fucking sucks. It is the worst. It is painful. It is time-consuming. It is exhausting, just draining in every sense of the word. So after a few years of being on dialysis, and I was on what is considered to be the easier type of dialysis, yeah, great. Let's, let's get some dying going here. I want to move up that list. That is what I am waiting for. I think most people have been in a position at some point in their life where they just, they wanted something so bad, you know, that they could taste it. And I think most people here have probably even said that phrase, you know, like, oh, I want this so bad, I would kill for it. <laughs> I think there are fewer people, probably, who have actually been in a situation where... You know what? Killing somebody might actually help. Uh, a <laughs> little murder would actually get this ball rolling a bit. That, uh, I don't know, I think probably just people waiting for organ transplants and then like, if for some reason your life is like a Game of Thrones power struggle of some <laughs> sort. Uh, in which case, please come find me after the show because I want to hang out with you. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Um, but yeah, I was, I was on dialysis for five years. And by the time I got my phone call, I was ready. And that phone call came and it's, it's, it's like an iPhone was on back order or something, you know? It's like, hey, your new kidney's in. Come on down, pick it up. And it's like, great. I have been waiting for this. And then you show up they showed up at the hospital. I, I didn't care whose kidney it was. And that was fine with the doctors because the whole process is actually that they try to keep as much information from you about the donor as possible. They don't tell you anything. The only things I was told is that the donor was a girl who was younger than me. That's literally all they said. Uh, I was 24 at the time. I think about that now and my first thought is just that that girl was tragically young. At the time, though, I was ready for my kidney. You know, this is the best day of my life. And that's probably all I ever would have thought about it, but the next, not the next day, but a couple days after my transplant, there was an article in the local paper. High school girl at a high school track meet has an undiagnosed heart condition. Something happens, she's rushed to a nearby hospital, the same hospital where we knew the kidney was coming from, and she doesn't make it. 
So suddenly, this stranger that I had been waiting on to die for five years, that this whole system had been set up to distract me from, suddenly this person is real. And I, there's a name, and she has a face, and friends, and a family, and I have her kidney. And I'll never know for 100% certain that this girl was my donor. I mean, the timeline matches, the few facts I have line up, but I will never know for 100% sure. And what I've realized over the last few years is that I like believing that it's her. I like having that name and I like having that face and I like knowing that even though I have her kidney, that this is my kidney now, it wasn't always, you know, and that it was not just a lump of veins and membranes that got moved from one person to another. This is part of a person who had a life and who had a, a story. And now that story continues on with me. And I am eternally grateful to that girl and to her family and to anyone else who has the strength and, and the foresight and the generosity to take the worst day of their life and turn that into the best day of somebody else's. And that's my story. Thank you guys. Please be an organ donor. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.